Hi and welcome to the Pippin Pets Dog Training Podcast. I'm Jo, I'm a certified separation anxiety pro trainer and also packed an ABTC accredited trainer. This podcast is all about general dog training and separation anxiety. So happy listening. And for this episode, we're going to be talking all things Collie. Now, that's not my specialist subject. Uh, Hands up. I admit that now. So this is why I've got the most amazing guest. We've got Martina from Battle Do Academy, who is a Collie expert. So welcome, Martina. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. That's all right. It's an absolute pleasure. So I obviously we are connected um, anyway. but I follow with interest because collies are, and herding dogs, they're, they're a law unto themselves. And I do have collies, I have clients with collies, collies are clients. <laughs> and I obviously I help as much as I can, but it's not a specialist area. But um, so what, first of all, tell me a little bit about how you got into the That'll Do Academy. Yeah, so, um... First of all, of course, you're probably here by my name and by my accent. I am not uh, British. <laughs> um, I come from Italy. So um, my passion with Collis started in Italy in 2005 um, when I lost my cat, which I was really attached to. And um, I was just there to get another cat and then decided, you know what, I'm going to go off to university. Um, I was already in university. I wanted then after university travel, do different things, go and work. A dog would be better. It would, be, it would suit me better. And thanks to my dad that took me many, many times to the UK for holidays. I did some um, placement, work placement with horses. I used to work with horses at the time. Um, I knew about the collies and I knew about the collies because as as working dogs. So I met them in farms. And the, the summer before 2005, 2004, I was in Scotland uh, working for um, a horse charity. And um, I remember we had, a, we had a person that came visiting with a collie and she would arrive with a bike and the collie was just following and, and then she would just go and, and the dog would follow her back. And, and I was like, yeah, well, so when I decided I'm not going to have a cat, I'm going to have a dog. Um, the collie was quite a natural one for me to go to. Um, so that's how I started. And then I got into dog training and, you know, how things go. You know, you start training your own dog and then um, I moved from horses to dogs because it was easier. You know, I had it's easier to to do things with your dog than to do with your horses. I didn't have my own horse anyway. So I moved to the UK in 2014 with two of my colleagues. Um, and I was already a dog walker full time in, in Milan, in my big city. And I started to become a dog trainer the two years previous. Well, I started my my dog training journey in 2010 with 2009 and he finished in 2010 with my um second dog arriving i was i finished my first course there and and then 2014 i moved to the uk with with the two collies uh, mainly because of collies everyone asked me why did you move to the uk well because i wanted i actually wanted to work in farms yeah. <laughs> um because my second dog was you know he's, he's a few he's 13 now um, nearly 13 and he's, he's a bred working bred collie while my first one was a show line more and uh, I just had this dream of you know trialing and working with sheep and everything which when I came to the UK I found is not that easy and is not that easy of a life um, so I actually decided well I'm going to start as a dog trainer and then see how things go I might do a bit of both but and I ended up being a dog trainer full-time um, and and then my third collie arrived 
And I was doing agility, competitive obedience, a bit of herding, a bit of everything. I've done a bit of everything with my dogs. And after lockdown, as you well probably know, um, you know, 2020 was a big, you know, I think yeah. hit for everyone. You know, things changed for everyone in 2020. Oh, um, and I didn't still decide that I was going to specialize um, in collies. I still didn't feel like I could do it. Like, oh, no, a speciality, you know, going yeah. so deep into a niche. Um, but then in 2021, after a lot of people were sending me collies anyway, you know, I think a lot of people started to specialize and they started to say, you know what, I don't want to do what I don't like. I want to do what I like. People yeah. started sending me collies because they didn't want to work with them. So my <laughs> colleagues and friends were like, oh, well, if you receive an email, I send you this collie because I don't know what to do with it. It's chasing cars and I, I don't know what to do with it. So I then decided to um, to specialize and to start and to rebranding my own business. So in 2021, I rebranded my business and I decided to call it That'll Do Academy because I don't know if you know um, or the listeners know, but That'll Do is that command that you give to the dog when you tell them to finish working yeah um sheep and uh, I quite like that I like the idea that you know I think that's it's it's, it's good to work with colleagues it's good to you know but then that it's also as important to tell them that that's it that'll do you know you, you stop working now we can then go back to normal life um which is I think something that a lot of people struggle to to get with the colleagues tell them okay you don't have to work all the time yeah the, so, their brains are wired very differently because um, yeah. the collies are have you been chewing Lisa? um one of us the collies I've, i feel like are almost like the rolls royce of the herders because yeah. they're not it's not just collies that have all the traits but i think the collies have been bred so strongly that the traits really show up on them but you've got yeah. like the healers like you've got the corgis um, you got the shepherds and the poodles. Poodles are herders. Okay. Um, that that has been their. I know they're literally just shown for their fluffy coats, and that's what people a lot of people associate them. But they're bred to be herders as well. So they're, they're super intelligent, but they show similar traits. Um, but obviously, the border collies. Yeah. Very recognisable. Yeah. very intelligent <laughs> yeah very I think high en energy the Possibly four breeds yeah the four assumptions yeah. yeah i think the four breeds that i see most often are the collies the kelpies the bearded collies and some hunterways although the hunterways are not as common um in, in the uk yeah. you find them I, I actually have them as mixed with collies most of the time as yeah. students um, they get mixed with collies. So these are the four breeds, I think, that could have very similar traits that in a pet environment can be challenging because they are... I mean, I'm watching now on Netflix, Master Dog, which if you haven't watched it or your listeners, it, I think it's really it's really interesting to watch. And it's the story of five Kelpie puppies in Australia training to become Master Dogs, which mm -hmm. is, you know, the dogs that work cattle and sheep through yeah. the land, the huge amount of land they have in Australia. And, they are, although they, there are different traits, you can see that work ethic and that intensity and that need to work and that relationship with the human based on the work they do, it's very similar to the Collies. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the Kelpie will be the next one to me yeah. to have similar traits. So I don't only do Collies, of course, Collies are the majority of, of the dogs, uh, but I do get also the other 
and sometimes I get the Australian shepherds, sometimes I get other mixes in, but the majority are collies yeah. and and, kept, and crossed with these other three breeds. Yeah. Now I met a hunter mate was crossed with a lab. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um obviously some collies, um, some Aussie shepherds. Never met a Kelpie. Mm. I'm not very common Ryan. <laughs> No, I don't think they're that common in the UK. There are a few, no. around, but they're not as common. Yeah. More, more in other countries. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So the, the colleagues, like I say, they're they're very renowned, um, but they do have quite quite a lot about them. So, what makes you love the collie? Is it just they're they're really they're the work ethic, their loyalty? They're very, yeah. To humans aren't they they're very much more I prefer humans they don't play as much as other dogs with other dogs yeah so also, I think yeah always I mean exception, I, always exceptions to the rule <laughs> yeah I, I do so I come from the horse industry and even in the horses I've always loved the love the working horses so I used to work my last few years of my life as you know working with horses it was with Lusitano horses which are from you know Portuguese horses, similar to the um, Andalusian uh, horses, and they're still um, working horses in the country. They do work with cattles, and some some of them work in the corrida as well. You know, in the hunt, um, the fight with the with the with the bull, which is not nice. But they're still horses that are bred to work. So I always have that kind of. To me, I, I like those animals that are bred to do a job for, for humans. And that also, of course, means that they are bred and selected with a with, with a work ethic and with that kind of, and, and a strong brain. You know, they need to be strong. They need to be resilient. They need to have stamina. They need to have, they, they need to be biddable, but they need to have that kind of also strength of, of, of will that they will not, get scared if things get a bit tough and, and 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 get out of the fight if there is to so with I think with dogs it went the same way you know I like that kind of I, I like a bit of a strong dog um don't get me wrong I love all my dogs my first collie Abigail she was a show line she was the sweetest dog in the world and I wish I had a still and I had a dog like her and I still I do have a dog like her similar which is my last collie uh, it does remind me of her because he's a very laid-back type and, you know, he can be a pet, no problem. He needs exercise, but if he doesn't do anything for two days, he doesn't go crazy. He doesn't yeah. show any behaviors that tells you, oh, I need to work him today because otherwise he's going to start then, you know, being a bit loopy while the other two are that type of dog. If they don't get exercise regularly after two days of not doing something, they show they show you that they need to do something. But I do like that. I do prefer yeah. that. You know, I, collies are... Tend, tend to ocity behaviors they are they they have a very different brain they you know they're a bit they're a bit different and you know my partner always say you know they're not this you know, why do you like collies because we have collies and duck tolling um retriever tollers yeah nova scotia duck tolling retrievers which are not that dissimilar to collies although they are gun dogs but they don't have that ocd tendency that kind of finding themselves something to do if you don't give them a job and, and everything while the yeah. collies do 
And um, I like the self-employed, that. The self-employed dog is, is one that's going to get into yeah. mischief. <laughs> and I do, I do like that. I think that if you have a collie, you have to embrace it. You have to embrace the fact yeah. that I'm not going to be... And if you're lucky and you get a Tay or you get one Abigail, that kind of very laid back dog that you're lucky, but it's, it's the minority. It's not the majority. And I suppose the sh- between, I mean, we hear about the show and working lines of cockers mm. and Labradors. Yeah. Um, and why wouldn't there be one for collies? But it's something you don't hear about very often. So, yeah, you, obviously the show collies are different. Are, are different. They're, they've been bred to be. I say, say calmer mm. as as opposed to being able to cope in more of a home environment. Yeah. And I suppose the working lines um, obviously need a lot more input. They're probably not the easiest as a pet. Yeah. Yeah. In certainly not in a in a, a city. I don't want to alienate anyone who loves a collie and lives in the city in a small flat, but I obviously there's got to be a lot of consideration there about the welfare for the collie because it's not like um, having like a little cavalier that's bred to just sit in the corner while you work at home or sit, you know, yeah, go out to work. So obviously um, the working collie is definitely probably need somebody who's got the time and the space to put a lot more into it than you would for a regular traditional pet dog perception. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can give you my example. You know, when I got Abigail, I was living in Milan, which is a big city. And I was living with my mom in an apartment, seventh floor of a building. And, you know, Abigail was perfect for that role. She would be going out in the park, trot around, play with me, play with other dogs. Then she could sleep for hours. She didn't need that extreme work and exercise. So for her, it didn't make a difference whether we would do a lot or not a lot. But then I got Moss with the idea of having a working dog. I wanted him. I knew his dad. His dad was a supreme champion from Wales. So he was bred. A friend of mine traveled to Wales to breed her bitch to to Moss's dad, David Tweed. And you know, then I, I I wanted the puppy, so I got him because I wanted to do herding yeah. training. I wanted to do obedience, competitive obedience training. So I wanted that type of dog. But and we lived in the city for three years before I moved to the UK because yeah, four years nearly because he was born in 2010 and I moved in 2014. And they were not easy years. You know, it, it wasn't. I wouldn't say you know. I and I was already a professional, so I was already my my life already was. For dogs, I was training already. So yeah. I would go to obedience training once a week, to sheepdog training once a week. And that was an hour travel out yeah. of the city to go anywhere. And then I would, at least another two or three times a week, go and train my dogs somewhere. And I would take my car, take them to the big parks outside of the city, swimming with them. They would swim a lot in summer. Moss would swim every other day. Yeah. I had a friend with a farm. So I, I, gave, I had to give him an, a lot of, a lot. You know, it couldn't mm. be the dog that only stayed in the city and walked in the park yeah. and played. Yeah. And um, we had other issue with reactivity. You know, is he became reactive to dogs, reactive to children, um, never reactive to cars, thankfully. But he would like today. It's, it's 13 in September. We took them out for a walk, and the squirrels are very active at the moment. 
And he's on a flexi lead at the moment, the big one, because he's half deaf. So he can't hear me if he goes too far. So I can't have him off lead completely. And, you know, the majority of the time now he trots around. He's so a squirrel and he just went for it. You know, if that happens in a city, you know, the, the spikes, motorbikes, cars, you know, if they see something and they want to chase it, it's not that you can stop him or not stop him. He's that fast that he's at that squirrel before you even have time to react. Yeah. And that kind of dog that has, you know, my dogs, even Tay, that is very calm, they don't hang around on a walk. Yeah. They're out there and they're not hunting. They just love to stretch their legs. That's what they're bred to do. They're bred to stretch their legs. And yeah, that's one thing that I really struggle sometimes to get through to people that say to me, oh, every time I let them off, they just run out of sight. And yeah, they will come back, but they run out of sight. How do I teach them to be closer? Well, that's what they're bred to do. You went and got yourself a hill dog that is bred to actually collect sheep some kilometers away from you. And that's what they're bred to do. They're bred to stretch their legs and go and outrun mm. in big out. That's what they need. So you have to sometimes embrace it and make sure that your lifestyle suits that type of dog. I couldn't have these dogs in the city anymore. It's not for them, personally. I think I would cut their legs having yeah. them in a city again. And I know I have students that live in cities. They get the dog and, of course, they keep it. And, and we, we make the best we can. But it's mm. still like not giving them exactly what they need sometimes unless you have big parks and opportunities where you can let them express themselves without of course being dangerous for them yeah because obviously the collies they're bred to run away from you come around yeah and then bring the sheep the flock or whatever towards you yeah now some herders are bred to work alongside you when you're pushing Collies do both. Like Collies do both. You know, the healers. Um, But Collies know they're bred to do the big loop around and then work to bring the flock towards you. I mean, they can do both. They they push. They they push them. But but they can work at far distances. Exactly. And obviously, if you have a Collie and you're like, oh, we'll go to the countryside, they're they they can go for miles and miles and miles. They're built for stamina. I mean, obviously, you've yeah. got to build up the stamina for the health. You can't just suddenly let a dog that's been a catch potato run for a long time. They're going to, you know, there's going to be muscle injuries and things like that. You've got to obviously build up their fitness. But colleagues are kind of bred to be the, the fitness. Is <laughs> Tay that is looking out of the window? He likes it. Yeah. He's my good boy. You good boy. Talking about running around. That's why. Like, oh, my turn. He went working so, ship so yesterday. You've got to be careful that like, if they are going to run off to do this lovely big loop that is in their DNA, you can't stop it. It's in their DNA to do. Yeah. But they don't suddenly come across some random livestock fields you can't even see and then start becoming self employed there. Because obviously that is hugely, hugely dangerous. Um, so it's finding enough suitable space to allow them to do that run. But we're going to, I'm sort of, sort of going to ask you about some of the common problems, but I think first of all, it's sort of, it links with this, some of their welfare, basic welfare needs. And by that, obviously every dog need, needs shelter, need food, they need appropriate food, they need water, they need social interaction. Um, but obviously different dogs are bred for different jobs. And for some breeds of dogs, it's quite easy to find them a 
the job. My girl, she's a cross between a Cocker Spaniel and a Bichon Frise. So half of her loves using her nose, going off scenting. She loves scent work. And the other half is on my lap. So within 20 minutes, she just wants to sit down, sleep and be on my lap. She's a very low energy dog. She has a Spaniel moments, trust me. You know, <laughs> she's definitely that. But when it comes to collies, obviously it's meeting their intrinsic welfare needs. Yeah. And I suppose it's this chase, this herd, this gathering, this whole aspect. Our lives don't really become a, talking the general family life. Yeah. Doesn't really make that very conducive for the welfare needs. And obviously that transpires into some common problems. So yeah. we can talk a little bit about some of the, the common problems, but then also how can general families that don't live on a farm with their own geese or sheep <laughs> livestock, yeah. um, how they can, um, I mean, they, they herd all animals, but just freeze, we'll just talk about sheep. Um, yeah. How we can help meet those intrinsic needs, not force a job onto them that they're not really bred to do. So first thing is the majority of the issues that I get to work with is um, they're all around that, you know, intense need to control movement. Um, so either that's chasing or stalking um, or pushing, that's just control. You know, they, they, they are bred to control, they're control freaks. Um, they're bred to be control freaks. And that's, I think, something you can't take away from them ever. So once you understand that, then you need to understand, of course, that the the day that they understand they can control or they can find, you know, as you know, being a dog trainer and everything, you know, when they try something and they find it, that they enjoy it, the hormones that they produce when they find that enjoyable, it's addictive to them. So once that's triggered it's 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 hard the longer you wait to reverse that and tell them you know okay we can do something similar but it's coming from me the harder it is to completely reverse it so when they learn that they can stalk a car going past and when the car is going closer and going then past so they will stalk you when it's approaching they try to stop it of course the car doesn't react as a sheep you know if they stare it doesn't stop but they don't know that they think they've yeah. got superpower and they think they can do it then the car goes past and then they try to chase it to stop it again. And that rush of adrenaline, so the, the dopamine rush they get when they stalk and then the rush of adrenaline they get when it goes past and that, that kind of, then the cortisol kicks in because they get frustrated, they can't get it. That circle of hormones producing becomes addictive to them. They can't yeah. stop. You know, and you know, you, you'll see five, you know, eight weeks old puppies that start doing that. And when the, and the problem, I think the majority of the problem is that owners, either they don't do the research or they do the research, but they don't think that it's relevant to them yeah. or they don't, they, they see it happening, but they think, oh, it's just a puppy. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, do, it's doing the collie and they laugh at it because it looks like an adult dog doing the ship work, but they start doing it with cars. They start doing it with cyclists. They start doing it with other dogs. They start doing it with joggers. They start doing it with kids in the household. And they don't think straight away, I need help because I need to know how to not make it a problem. 
So mm -hmm. they go over and over out of the house, onto the road, because the dog has to go for a walk three times a day, four times a day. And that dog keeps repeating that behavior every time a, co a car goes past, every time a bike goes past, every time a jogger, every time another dog runs. And that's it. That's how you train a dog to work sheep. You take them to sheep, you allow them to see the sheep running around. When they trigger, that's it. The dog is ready to start working. Yeah. And that's, I think, what people don't get. The more they practice, the stronger they get. And that's how you get a dog to become stronger, to have stronger eyes so they can control the sheep better, is to expose them to the sheep over and over again. So we yeah. don't have sheep. We have cars, bikes, joggers, and wildlife. You know, the amount of collies that stalk birds and how difficult it is to actually work and train a dog to not stalk and want to chase birds where birds are everywhere and out of your control. You know, you can take them away from cars, you cannot walk them into a park where bikes are going around, but how it's difficult it is to actually take them away from birds, not even in your own garden. And so that, that's the majority of the problems I see. Of course, there's all sorts of other problems. Some colleagues can become reactive to cars because of the fear of the noise, of the fear of the car. So there can be fear underlying in some behaviors, of course. Mm. And of course, they can be reactive to other dogs or people because of being shy and being not socialized properly in farms. Yeah. But yeah. I think the major what I like to work with and what people come for me is mainly that kind of control need to control the environment around them. And, and if they come to me that they are normally between 10 and 15 months, they have practiced that for quite a long time. And yeah, it's hard. It's hard work. You know, it's not it's not quick fixes. It's not a thing. And sometimes it's not even... We can't completely switch it off. Mm. We have to tell them, okay, if I'm walking five meters on the road to cross it, this five meter, you're working for me. You're not working for yourself. You're working for me, which means that you have to look at me. We walk, we're doing pattern games. We're doing hill work. We're doing no touches. We're doing things. So we are working together. And then once you're off the road, then you can go back to sniff and do your own things because otherwise they can't not stalk the cars. If you walk a dog through a field of sheep, a working dog, yeah. It's not going to go off working sheep if you don't ask to. You know, I can walk dog moss and, and jock my dogs in a in a field of sheep, but they will be around me looking around and 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 using the eye to move the sheep out of the way. And yeah. they're still working, you know, for them, yeah. it's still work, but it's under my control and they know that I'm not asking them to do it, so they don't go off chasing. You can't stop you can't stop it. it. They're bred for that. And a lot of it, I mean, I hear it's like families, they're out with their dog and one person walks away. So the dog gets very nippy and distressed yeah. and barky because obviously it's that control of movement. Somebody's yeah. left, left the group. How dare they go into the shop, even if it's to get a dog treat, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. We sort of rationalise, but it's for them. It's like, well, they don't know that. <laughs> mm. And so again, it, it's all this whole, the movement. And like say, it's just, a, it takes what sixty days to create a habit. So if you think allow allow your puppy to do that for the first couple of months, and it's part of what they're bred to do, yeah, that is, that is one habit. I, I do so think, you yeah, can, you can mod hope to modify it the best you can, but you're never going to stop it. I think that with collies is not sixty days. I think that once they trigger, they trigger. Yeah, and I Tay triggered with cars at thirteen weeks. I took him to the vets for his last job. Yeah. And it was the first time he was in a busier environment because the vet is on a main road. So I said, let's walk him down the road next to the main road just to get him used to walk on the pavement because it's not been 
And the second car went past. The first car was like, hmm, did he chase that car or not? And the second car went past. He went running along and looking at the car going past. And I said, that's it. You're not going to see a busy road again. You're not yeah. going to go anywhere where there are moving cars until I know that I can redirect you. Yeah. And he was 13 weeks. And yes, I took him away. And I think with him was more um, fear related and movement related. He's not a chaser. Yeah. We tr we struggled to get him to start working sheep. He didn't want to chase. So he's not a chaser for him, it was fear. But as you know, when a dog is afraid, they will use what their DNAs tell them to use to cope with it. So the collies try to control that fear by controlling what, they, what scares them. And that's where sometimes you see those collies that pancake on the floor while another dog is approaching um, or stalk a person walking towards them but they're actually scared of what's coming towards them and they try to control it. So Tay was pure control because of being unsure of the movement and noise. And even now he doesn't stalk, but if a big lorry goes past, he will jump and show fear behavior for the noise of the big lorry going past. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a dog like him in a city may have struggled a lot um, with the noises of the road. I don't know. Stressful um, life. Very stressful, stressful life. life. He's not a noise sensitive dog in general. I can drop mm. something here next to him and he wouldn't bother. But there yeah. are some, you know, as you know, is a spectrum of sensitivity. Not yeah. every, they're not sensitive to every noise. Is um, that specific noise definitely? And probably because if not, is he, he, he was born in Scotland near a road. The house that he was born in was they are farmers, but they live in a house, not in a farm. There was cars going past, but I don't know. Maybe he's not ex been exposed properly to. And maybe noises. like I say, it's the number and the frequency of the vehicles and noise. It's not just the noise. It's like the smells and everything. Yeah, yeah. Going on about noise, um, my girl, um, she has some anxieties. This is why I became a separation anxiety specialist. Um, yeah. And so she does have some noise sensitivities as well. Um, thunder, fireworks, because it's that low rumbling. We yeah. walk on army land and I've had them probably about... 15 foot away firing because they were, you know, we're going on a public ride away. We were allowed to be there. All of a sudden, they just there were, bu -bu -bu -bu. <laughs> didn't bat an eyelid, didn't bat an eyelid, carried on sniffing, walking around. And quite where it is, sort of it, where even if they're on the other dip, it echoes around. So, you know, we'd be walking on this side while they're training that, that side because it's like a big box. You've seen Skyfall, mm -hmm. James Bond, where James Bond lived, the house was. That's where we walk. Okay. It's not in Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> it's down south. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, the noise can really echo and carry. And and she doesn't bat an eyelid at all. But if it was like a, a low bit of thunder in the distance, she's gone. Melted. Absolutely melted. So it's the different types of noises. Yeah. But their hearing is so sensitive. So a loud lorry thundering past and the movement is a double whammy for them. Yeah. But I know you said about being triggered because I've seen um I've seen on, on programs, I've not seen it in real life, you know, how they introduce sheepdogs for you know the one man in his dog trials, one, one person yeah. in his dog trials. Let's rebrand that one. <laughs> um, because there's some amazing women who do that. Oh yeah. Um and the first thing is they they put their dog, obviously there's a um a pen of sheep and the dog's on yeah, the, the puppy's on the, out, on the outside. Obviously, there's yeah. always an old dog nearby keeping an eye on things. Um, and sometimes a puppy just there, there, and then they're looking for that switch. They're looking for that trigger. 
Yeah, and for the pups that then get that early trigger, they're the ones that they keep to work because they know they're going to be excellent working farm dogs. The ones that are a bit slower, they tend to be once sold on. So I know that the, certainly the, the farmers that breed their own dogs, they're looking for that very quick switch on. They suddenly, whoa, okay, this is what I need to do. And it's, yep. and as I say, you, you can't teach it. it. It's just part of their sequence, the stalk, the eyes. It, yeah, they've been bred specialists to be specialists. Absolutely. That. And like I say, they're the Ferraris, they're the Rolls Royces of, of that because they've been yep. bred to be so finely tuned to it yeah so yeah so you you asked me how 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 have families can actually first thing is recognizing it as soon mm. as you see it happening know that it's not going to go away you need to ask a trainer that knows what they're talking about how to make so sure that it doesn't happen multiple times and you know how to handle it and it's not sometimes easy because if it happens inside the household they do with the children with the kids it means a lot of management initially to avoid that to become a job that a dog thinks they're doing they're keeping the kids together they are stopping the kids when they're running around and so it's hard work sometimes um yes collies do sometimes good family pets but other times can be nightmares because they really have so much need to control movement and that's that's how they're bred to be that you know they take themselves on the job to control the kids um or other dogs in the household or the cats um and so recognizing it is the first step and knowing that you need help. You can't just do it on your own. And I think second is making sure that when you get a collie, you either do a good research on how they're bred, what their parents are like. And if you really want a pet, maybe don't go for a farm dog. Because it's it, it's likely you're going to get through some issues because of the need they have to exercise. So if you get for a farm dog, if you go for a farm dog, then be ready to give them a job of some yeah. sort. Yeah. You know, that being a sport, that being, and it's not like going once a week to puppy classes. It's not just that, or to obedience classes. You know, it's anything, you know, um, agility, combative obedience, rally obedience, um, center work, hoopers, um, men trailing you know name them all give them at least one job so that you can regularly exercise them and and, and teach them that that's the job and then the rest of the time you know we play and we we do but also one thing that it's really important is that collies are not those dogs that easily go for a walk and can be left off lead to manage their own environment on a walk because again they will find ways to work even when you just take them for a walk and then that's where the problem starts. So as, as young dogs, my dogs, yes, they have freedom. They do have freedom to be dogs. I think I'm, I'm for me, it's easier because I have a group of dogs. Yeah. Every puppy that gets introduced goes out on its own, but also goes out with the others. And when he goes out with the others, he follows the others. So it doesn't have a great chance of be triggered by the environment. And when I go out on my own with my puppy, we're working. Yeah. So we do little recalls, we do little tricks, we do a lot of play and, you know, we do, we do a lot of work. There are times when I hold the end of a long line and the puppy just eats a puppy and sniffs. But as soon as I notice that they're looking at the birds, they're looking, one day Tay was looking at my shadow. We were walking, it was winter. I was walking, the ground was frosted, so it was white and the sun was behind me and my shadow was in front of me and he started stalking the shadow and I said, oh. I started counting all my gods and I was like, please, no, not a shadow chaser. And I didn't walk him at that time of the day. 
for the next yeah. few weeks to avoid that from happening and that never showed again yeah but what if i had if i carried on walking him in the morning with the frosted ground and the shadow that could have become a problem yeah and shadow chasing very much an ocd behavior yes very, it is a really it's like a, a mental behavioral problem that doesn't have just a physical fix or going yeah 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 it, i mean yeah is is unlikely would have developed it because it's not a type of dog i think shadow yeah. chasing has as a different route than just movement uh, I, I think, think when yeah, yeah when it, i see shadow, shadow light chasing is something different it's not just movement control no, there's a behavior. lot more to it and there's a lot that is explained by some medical issues yeah it, yeah yeah it, definitely. it's a manifestation of pain quite yeah. often and gut issues and things yes. like that yeah. but certainly for a dog that's thrives on movement in the absence of anything else yes they're going to find something that moves yeah and what yeah. moves when you're walking them your shadow yeah <laughs> yeah and so i think in some instances i think you've got to look at the whole health of the dog get you know make sure that they are healthy and well then it's a case of okay so then they need that desire to control the movement so now we've got to put something in place to redirect that outlet yeah. legitimately. Now, not everyone has access to a friend who's got a farm who also knows how to manage dogs around sheep. You don't just put dog in with sheep. And certainly, even, even, you know, people you know, you've got to be still really careful. You don't just do that. You don't just go to the farm and say, I've got a sheep dog. Can I have just go? Oh, no, 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 no not with any kind of dog. Um, no. So it's finding that appropriate outlet to satisfy some of that intrinsic requirements. Yeah. Okay, this goes back to that welfare need. Yes. But in a most legally allowable point of view. And you've mentioned some things which I think are absolutely brilliant. It's not just about herding. It's about finding other things. It's about using their brain but also using some of their physicality. Now, I know like agility, but that means the human's got to be quite fit to run with the agility because dogs yeah. have got a great brain and it's a puzzle and it's a physicality. There's a lot of things to love around that. Hoopers is you you slow down while the dog speeds up. That's yeah. the ultimate aim. My dogs love but, Hooper. They yeah, love it. Treble, treble, whatever it's called, where they're just herding the big balls yeah. around. And it's awesome. It's like dog football, basically, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's He's like, woofing at the door at uh, the window i'm not sure what are you woofing for hey. oh just being a dog <laughs> what are you woofing at yeah you're being a guard dog aren't you guarding the house well reba normally would zoom bomb and jump in my lap but she's actually asleep on the chair at the moment i obviously bored her <laughs> yeah i've never done treble i've never done treble and i don't think i think that i've seen a lot of dogs non-collie dogs doing treble i think it's more yeah. of a learned behavior than a thing there is something else that is in the it's been created in the uk which is called shibbol mm. which is by k lawrence and um and i've tried it with my dogs and my dogs don't care about it that much they don't want to hurt the ball because they've always learned that if there is a toy you have to retrieve it to me and then yeah. they go and work the sheep so they don't Shh, hey, what is it I know that's all right there. i know there's a dog barking there's a dog saying something outside saying something not nice 
I was going to say my neighbour's dog is barking, so it might be me that's true. <laughs> no, I've got earphones on, so it could be, could cannot be, but yeah. And um, yeah. anyways, so um, yeah, so there's this sheep ball, which is teaching the dog to stalk the ball as it is a sheep, and then they do the same movements. Um, I've did a course, and my dogs don't really care about it, but I see oh, some of my students do it, and I've seen other people doing it, yeah. and. It gives an outlet in a controlled way where you are still the center of it because you're still the one kicking the ball. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you, you mentioned that you do scent work. So I think that really teaching a, a collie to use their nose is probably the best thing you can do because when they're using their nose, they switch their eyes off. Yes. And so I think a lot that's what I teach my students. Do that. I have, I have had some collie, collie crosses in my scent work classes. But it tends to be more the spaniel types. Yeah. Because, you know, um, and, and that was because they, people think, oh, yeah, they've got a good nose, great search dogs. But people forget that, yeah, colleagues, you know, they've got a massive part of the brain and, and the nose connects to about a third of the brain. Yep. So to keep your pup happy, you've got to use their nose because you want to use their brain. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, learning tricks and things is great as well. But again, scent work because... Again, it's switching on a different part of the brain. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Which the collies don't always have naturally. Mm. Um, so, for example, in the room here, I've got Moss and Jock and uh, Moss and Tay. They are my best centaur dogs. Moss, which has it, of all my collies, Moss has is the one with more um, chase drive. He is the one that it triggered on sheep at three months old the first time I took him to my friend's um, farm. And he knew already what he was doing. And it's been challenging for that reason because he's always looked at movement like a dog running at a distance, rabbits, pheasants, squirrels, I mean, livestock, yeah. everything. Yeah. He's always been. And he's been working with sheep a lot. And, and it's, strangely enough, although he's got a very strong eye, he also got, has the best no nose of the whole household. Like we have three retrievers and three collies and the best nose is Moss. So although he's got strong eyes, he also have a very great capability of using his nose. And as a puppy, I remember when I would let him off, the first thing he would do was put his nose on the floor and like a hound, run in a straight line, sniffing and going off trails on the floor, which yeah. is unusual for a collie. But yeah, so he's been trained, he's trained last, you know, when I retired from agility, then we went into doing scent work and he's, he's amazing. You know, he would have been, he, he would have been easily a, a good detection dog like proper, yeah proper like man training i've seen collies um work on like mountain rescue yes like collies are used a lot for for rescues yeah. yeah for mountain rescue and yeah for sar um yes and then the other one is tay which is only is three in september and he's uh, he's showing actually more talent into sniffing than he is into herding sheep at the moment which again is unusual because his lines are really strong but that can happen yeah. um uh, Possibly if he was in a farm, he would have been considered a failed sheepdog at some point in his life. But I don't know, because I've not exposed him yet to sheep that much to actually be 100% sure. Um, yeah. But it's, it, it does, you know, if the sheep and I ask him to work and sniff, he can do that. Well, my dogs can. But, you know, he, he does love sniffing. And um, so, yeah, they can do it. They can do it. And and they 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 because they have that brain that allows them to work for hours, hours and hours. Mm. And scent work is quite tiring. Yeah. If you teach them, they they, they get quite got a lot a lot of stamina, um, yeah. and they're very trainable. So they would work for you sometime even better than a spaniel. That yeah. sometimes is more like 
you know, hunty yeah. than, than a collie. They are used a lot in, um, I don't know if you know anything about conservation detection dogs, but yeah. um, my partner is, is training the is training Tay and one other of, of the tallers to do that. Uh, but in the world, they use Australia, New Zealand, America. They use mainly collies and cattle dogs, Australian cattle dogs for that. Mm. More than you know, they use Labrador. Yes, they they use, but the collies actually are the main, and especially Australia, New Zealand, they have a lot of ground nesting birds or birds that yeah. stay on the ground. So actually, they prefer to use a dog that doesn't have that great prey drive. Yeah, to work because um, obviously so. Labradors they they're mouth they're bred to pick things up, and the last yeah. thing you want to do is then yeah. oh I found a nest oh look here it is yeah exactly. <laughs> I'll bring the birds back <laughs> yeah like, no. so. Yeah, so they are used a lot for scent work, you know, and I think we are in a country where originally the scent breeds are your Labrador and your Spaniels mm -hmm. and the collies are the one that work sheep. And that's history. That's yeah. but actually, you know, there's more and more people picking collies to do more um, scent yeah, work stuff. And I think we need and to blur the lines there, um, you know, that and like I say, is the collies have a very strong work ethic. Mm -hmm. Um and yeah, I mean, there are some great, like I say, the Spaniels, the Labs, they will work. But oh, I love a Spaniel when it works. drive to do more. And this is like um, the, the police search dogs. And my friend, he does, he does the, the fire and rescue search dogs. He's done USAR, you know, the human, human searches. He's been all over yep. with his dogs. He, he's actually Labs. He tried a Spaniel. He didn't last with a Spaniel. He, he does Labs. Um, but yeah, he just, he also loves Labs. Um, but I say the colleagues, it's that drive. A lot of them fail because they'll do a bit, but then they just want to goof around or just give up. It's that drive to continue. I want to do more, not just, oh, I've done a search. Can I have a sleep? Like my girl. That's where the half bichon comes in. I've done a bit yes. of search now. Let's go for a snooze. Yeah. Distracted now. Attention span is not that great. You know, as a typical spaniel, I'll do a job and then I just want to fancy doing something else. Whereas a colleague's like, no, can I do more? Can I do more? And you can build that drive because they just, yeah, I found, yeah, I'm like, you've given me the ball as a reward. We go again because they want to do it. They've got that mental stamina as much as the building up the physical stamina. And this is what they look for is the, it's not just any lab or spaniel or colleague. It's the ones that even if they've been asleep, but the bleeper goes off, they've got to be switched on and, and want to work. Yep. As opposed to, no, can I stay in bed like my girl? <laughs> yeah, 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 no. She, she's a failed working dog, but a great pet. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think there <laughs> is more need to that. But I think there is more need to that. And I think that in the past, I would have said, no, the work, the collies have to be working dogs. They have to be working dogs. If you don't breed a collie for working ability, you're not breeding a collie. But because there is a request of collies, in home in, in in pet environments, I think there is a need to breed collies, also that can deal with that life. Mm. And sometimes is the show lines, but sometimes even the show lines, you know, some show lines are also sport lines, so they still yeah. have a lot of drive. Um, so I think if done properly, there actually is the space to breed collies to be more pet dogs, yeah, and more dogs that can switch off and sleep for two days if there is no work to do. Um, yeah. And I think I think the UK is not the country because, of course, there is that history of working dogs. But in other parts of the world, there is more, I think, you know, like in America or other parts, there is people that try to breed 
collies to be actually more pet dogs. And of mm. course, they're not, you know, it takes time, of course, to dilute the genes. But like, I don't know, if I if I had to breed a, a litter for how, you know, for pet dogs, and I still had my old girl and I would breed her to Tay, the type of dogs that the two of them are, I, you know, I could start a line of pet dogs if I wanted to select, but you have to select it because they're both very easy dogs that could have yeah. suit a pet, pet home. And I think there is space for that. And yeah. there is a need of that. Um, but it's just it's just difficult, isn't it? Yeah, and it takes a long time. Where, but again, yeah. it's a mental switch for us. And therefore, yeah. the people who love collies but think either I can't have them because my environment isn't right, I don't have my own farm, who has, not many, you know, and it just gives them a chance to, we shouldn't always just have dogs that we like the look of, I, you know, it, it's what fits with your lifestyle is more important. Um, but yeah, definitely. This absolute desire like you have, you know, you're around colleagues, you, you know, and it, so it, it, if you weren't a dog trainer and just a general family home pet owner, then having a collie probably may not have happened so soon or you wouldn't have had more collies yeah Even or i would have stayed kind of love yeah or i would have stayed what they are i mean this, this is yeah i'm generalizing a lot yeah here. no no but like my you know my first dog when i got her i knew about working collies although i was in italy so i searched specifically a litter that didn't say but working dogs that said yeah. you know show lines or you know, not working lines yeah. because I knew I, I at the time I wanted a dog that could easily be with me and the horses when I was working and I didn't want a dog that needed work. Yeah. I did my research. I read a book or two at the time. Yes, we had the internet, but it wasn't as advanced as now. So I did my research. So I think that yeah. that's what everyone should do, should do their yeah. research and actually understand really how, what of a difference. And if you still want a collie, then go out and don't just look for a pet bred collie because those pet bred collie normally are coming from a farm. They just live life as a pet. And unfortunately, even they, even if they can cope with living life as a pet, it doesn't mean that their puppies will because the genetic is still strong. Yeah. So you need to look for, you know, people that have been breeding show pet lines for the last 10 years to make sure that they're still breeding type that yeah. can cope with a pet environment or a city environment better. Yeah. So and I think not just pet collies. No, and I think again, this is our mentality of a border collie. A collie is just that working cheap dog. Yeah. Without fear, without realizing that there's a lot more variances and obviously genetics, and nothing's guaranteed for genetics, is it, and temperament. Yeah. Um, but you just don't realize that actually it's it's more than just what one man and his dog was showed. Because basically that's kind of how most of us grew up knowing about sheepdogs. If you weren't actually living on a farm, that's all you saw. Yeah. And thought, oh my God, they're amazing dogs. Yeah, a lot of training goes in, but there's a lot of instinct in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's great that, you know, there's, there's a lot more to them than what is normal. The perception of the general dog owner, which is why I wanted you to come and chat because it's, you know... It's opening my eyes a bit more to the breed as well. Yeah. Um, I work with all different breeds. I'm not niche to a, to a certain breed. I'm kind of niche to different skills, like the separation anxiety. And also I've got my book about my teenage dogs. And I have a, colleague, a teenage colleague. Yeah. Just as hard work as any other teenage dog. <laughs> I think they're more hard work, teenage colleague, than the average teenage dog. 
<laughs> I think they are more hard work. I think it. I think adolescent hits them two ways. One is, of course, their normal adolescent brain, and two is the fact that when they're teenager, that's the time where you should be training them to become sheepdogs. Yeah. They start wanting to work around ten months, and then everyone say you have that window for ten to twelve months until they are two years old to actually put the majority of the training in. So you then have an adult dog that can start working. So that's normally the the window where you you really put them into work and mm-hmm. see what their capabilities are. And if that's in a pet home, that's a challenging time because that dog should be working and pushing. You know, the first time you have a young dog around, you know, 12 to 15 to 18 months is the time you prove them. Can they actually assist you in lambing? Can they stand up to you? Can they gather? You know, you put them into those situations to see what their limits are or what their capabilities are. So then you keep it or you sell it, but at least you know what you need to work on, what kind of dog you are. And if that's happening in a home of, you know, a family with kids that just want a dog to walk the park, that's, you see how challenges that can be. And like I say, even just once a week agility training, because obviously you don't want to do the the jumping until they're one. Yeah. So this is where hoopers is so much better. Yeah, definitely. Because you've got they're, they're working with that connection. They have to listen for instructions, you know, left, right, round, barrel, da, 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 whatever it is. But just once a week for teenage dogs, that's not even enough. That is it's not, not one no. one class a week, even if it's um a trick training class or agility class, whatever it is, it's not enough. No, We're gonna not do enough. for the rest of the six days and twenty-three hours. So it is, but then investing in the time, I mean, this is true for all dogs, but some dogs, like I say, the colleagues need more. They they need more nurturing. They need more guidance. They need more employment. Um, yeah. You've got, and if you don't, let's say, if you don't invest in that, it all starts unraveling because they're like, well, you're not going to help me. I'll yep. do my own thing. You know what? The uh, my, One of my favorite trainers is Sarah Strumming. I've had her on my podcast and she says something that I keep saying to everyone when they, you know, he describes the collies. They're man-made. Nature would have never created them. <laughs> that tells you everything, you know. We have created them. Nature would have never thought about creating something so specialist and so yeah. obsessive. And so, so... You know, that I think describes the collie. They're a bit, yeah, they're a bit too much, but that's what we needed them for. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because once they're in their element, they are amazing what they can achieve. So, not just on the farm, but like, say, watching some of these on the mat and rescue, I mean, the terrain, they they, they hands down better than a human. And when they're on it, they are incredible. Absolutely incredible, relentless, focused, on the job, great. Uh, absolutely phenomenal dogs. Yeah. But it takes a lot to get that. <laughs> it takes a long time. And, and a little yeah. bit more than your bog standard lab taxi. They they yeah. all have they all have work in their own ways. I'm not dumbing them down whatsoever. But that is a whole different ball game. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, but uh, phenomenal to watch when they are working. You see them 
it, it is incredible, absolutely incredible. Yeah, if you've got time today, there's uh, the Obedience World Championship, the, the FCI Obedience World Championship, and 95% of the dogs there are collies. So the best team in the world from the from every country in the world is competing. And there is a live stream, which is amazing. I've been watching bits and bobs yesterday and today when I had time. And yeah, what what you see those and you're like, oh, wow, they're very trainable. But because I've been there, I've, I've not yeah. been to the world championship, but I've been in that sport and I still am. And I know how much training that goes behind it. You know, you see that, you know, it's all college because they're easy to train. <laughs> there's so much work behind getting to that level of competition and yeah. probably you know same when you watch crafts and you see the hilbert music and the agility and you know oh. yes they're amazing but again even just for agility there is so much work behind a fully trained dog that can compete and not do any mistake around the course um there's so much work and it's not it's not easy no. it's not free it's rarely free. Even if you have a great dog, it's not free. Yeah. Jock is a great dog, but oh, it was hard to channel his driving obedience because he would explode. You know, think about the ball. You know, you try to keep it round, and Jock would just pew, pew, having, you know, like spikes getting out everywhere. And I couldn't contain it to keep him round because he kept exploding everywhere. Yeah. And because of that high drive, yeah, it was amazing yeah. to train him. But containing that drive and channel it. To the, to the way I wanted it to look it's hard work even if he really wants to do it you know yeah. he's not telling me I don't want to do it I want to do mum but I want to do it 10 times more than I need him to do it so sometimes too much drive actually makes training harder mm. than not enough drive yeah and that's what sometimes you get with colleagues they give you too much and then the average owner can't cope can't cope with that much drive they don't know what to do with it they don't know how to control it mm. <laughs> No, no, I'm just, yeah, I'm just going through my head of just all these things I've seen. And it's just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it's it's that balance. And like I say, is you never know just what you're getting with the dog, yeah. with any dog, but with a colleague. Even if you do your research sometimes, wires. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And like I say, it, it, it's all the other times as well when you're not doing that specific sport training for the sport i mean there's a lot massive amount goes in behind the scenes as you said um but then you've got to have downtime and if a dog that's certainly got high drive teaching it downtime is just as challenging they you know why what sit in your mat and be quiet for an hour you know it's unless you've mentally really worn them out it's yeah yeah it's not yeah it's also teaching them that they have for a colleague, I think you have to teach them how to how to how to switch off as, as well. Not all of them have it naturally, no. so you have to enforce it a lot more than other dogs. I think a lot more than other breeds. Mm. Yeah. So it's, and it's not just tying them out. As I said, my dogs can go two days without do anything without even going for a walk. And you know, I tell to my students, they look at me like I'm crazy. My dogs can go days without walks if I can't take yeah. them, or yeah, there is something else, and they still sleep all day. Of course, they have a garden in winter it doesn't always happen um but it's teaching them that okay you know today we don't do anything you just relax and yes you still provide things to do choose kongs and stuff but it's i think you have to teach them what downtime yeah. is as well yeah. and it's one of the many aspects that you have to do with a, with a collie it's still important it's not the most important probably it is for pet dogs 
not for me that much, but for pet dogs is. Um, but yeah, you still have to enforce it and, and, and teach them, okay, this is your pen. You sleep in there. When you're in there, you switch off. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a skill of, you know, it's okay to have quiet times Yeah, for them. You know, it's a job. rest your brain. Because <laughs> also, if you're just constantly taking them out, thinking, oh, I've got to walk them, I've got to walk them. Again, straight That's back to that worse. original bit about the hormone, the adrenaline spikes. You, you create an adrenaline junkie. You create yes. just a super big dog. Absolutely. And the expectation of the dog then is, I need those. I need those hormone hits. Yeah. I love those hormones. I'm chasing them. I'm chasing the hormone hits. Yeah because you're always looking for the next one yeah and if that's all they're getting is just through like a walk yeah and so that, that yeah it's important how you do things and not how much you do things yeah and then we go back to scent work i think that you know 10 15 minutes of scent work in the garden is better than 15 minutes of agility in the garden for example yeah. Because if you take your dog out in your garden, because you've got a big garden, you bought agility equipment and you do agility 15, 20 minutes at a time, three times a day, you're still going to have an adrenaline junkie. Yeah. Well, if you go out three times a day and you do a good search of Kong or sense and everything, then you'll have a dog that has utilized a lot of, you know, a calm part of the brain and it's still play involved because I do reward my dogs with play, but it's different. You know, you yeah. can tell the difference. If I do something exciting, then they're like, come on, I want more. I want more. If I do scent work and then I go back to the house, they just flop. Yeah. So it's also what you do, I think. Um, that that thinking about pet people more than, you know, yeah. your your average sport handler that, of course, yeah. goes to the duty field with, you know, a plan in place and it's not just jumping and running. Sometimes it's just working on contact. Sometimes it's just working on, you know, skills. It's connection. So it, it is connection. Yeah. yeah. You're saying about the scent work. I, I, do, I do a bit of scent work. I go back and walk and uh, sometimes I put scent out. I've hidden bits of clove in trees and I've forgotten which tree they're in. <laughs> Things like that, bits of Kong. I can't lose bits of Kong. Um, or sometimes I just use treats. And then yeah. she's running beside me with her chin up and staring at me, the big smile going, do it again. Because for her, yeah. that is a little bit of an adrenaline spike. So again, I have to control her, her scent work. I probably don't do enough challenging scent work for her. I'm a bit, I know you get into lazy habits. and But this is where it can get dangerous because you slip into lazy habits. And then some dogs are not very forgiving for that. Thankfully, mm. she is um because that just really floats a boat so again even with the body it's not slipping into lazy habits but it's not necessarily doing more but it's making it more challenging it's like i tried to do a little bit of searching for calling water and she just didn't get it at all she just drank the water <laughs> she wasn't sniffing at all so i that was the first time we tried it so okay but i need to simplify it need to work on it so again it's not necessarily more but it's how can you get them more satisfied by mm -hmm. upping the difficulty level just a little bit building it up building up the skill yeah. and not to the point where it becomes a real challenge for you and your lifestyle and not just for your dog but for the human side as well because you're constantly just thinking what can I do with my dog it's very draining we need to switch off sometimes because it oh, mentally yeah. it, it is hard well any dog is hard work and a collie that's got that drive, that instinct. They they they're so bonded to humans, so they're always well, come on human, come on human, keep up. It is exhausting for us as well as an owner. So this is, I think, a lot of where some collie owners struggle because of their 
um, I would say just sort of emotional, mental stamina. Yeah. Not just your physical stamina because keep up with the dog. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this is where <laughs> if you have already a complicated life, don't get a collie. Yeah. Don't get a collie because you need, you need that mental energy to cope with them sometimes. So I, I can't, you know, I, we don't have kids and I couldn't have kids with the amount of collie I have personally because I'm not that type of person that is ready yeah. to, you know, to get my life into even more complicated things. So it's, and, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of people that have collies that have kids and, but you need to have, I think, that strength yeah, to actually think about it and, and be able to have that time mm. for, for everything and for the collie. It's and but then if you do, I mean, we're talking a bit like, oh god, they you know don't get a colleague because we've got they don't get a colleague. But actually, on the flip side, if you can accommodate a colleague, they're oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely if you want to do some type of work, some, yeah. you know, like Emily Lala, you know, who used all the colleagues for a trick, uh, yeah. all the amazing tricks oh, yeah. and things because it keeps them mentally busy. Um, she obviously she's dog trainer, so she puts in a lot of time and effort. Um, but that's what. It takes time and effort, but they you yeah. see some amazing work from colleagues. So if you can accommodate them, you're very aware of their, as you say, their control freak side. I think, you know, they can make the most amazing partners in your yeah. life. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And what I always say is please do your research where you're getting your collie from as well, because... Yeah. The way your puppy starts, you know, we, we are not big breeders, but we have bred a few, a couple of litters now of duck tolling retrievers. And the amount of work that goes into raising a litter for a pet environment, I think it's bigger than the one for a working environment. You know, working puppies grow up in farms and they have a bit of socialization, but it's not that much. They don't go up the farm. They yeah. see things that come at the farm. So depending on the time of the year, they might see more or less. But when, you, when you're breeding for pets, but pet people that have needs to have their dogs with them and share the life with them. And, you know, then you need, you know, it's a full-time job. Mm. And I'm not saying that, you know, you can get a good bread dog collie from a farm, but it's not been raised for your needs. Yeah. So it will probably, you know, it will not be socialized in the first two months of their life in the way that you need it to be socialized in order for you to expose, let's say, exposed to moving cars. Yeah, yeah. Like, all these things you're going to see in more suburban, semi rural environments, yeah. as opposed to somebody who, whose dog is just going to stay on their 50 acres. Yeah, definitely. Um, on for the majority of its time, not exclusively, that's cool. But it, they're going to be working on their own. I mean, fifty-eight, hundred-acre farm. You know, you know whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah, what the average size you know, farm yeah, is. Sorry, yeah, so, um, depends. It can be everything. Our farm will be one hundred and seven so acres. Yeah. But yes, um, so it depends. Yeah, it depends. Do your research. You know, don't just yeah. go the first litter you see and get a puppy from the first litter you see. Make sure that the puppy has been bred and socialized and and read to be a to to go into pet homes and not just to be a farm dog because then it's going to make a huge difference yeah. on how much work you have to put in when it comes to you yeah and i suppose if you want if you're going to rescue get a rescue collie then again it's only going through specialist rescues not your general rescues because your general rescues wouldn't really know whether it's a show working farm non-farm kind of collie yeah. 
whereas the specialist rescue colleague rescues will have will know what to look out for know they will tell you what the dog yeah and they will be able to place the dog in the right environment because it's you know it's been exposed to those environments already in in an appropriate way like the socialization just what you said about yeah you know a dog has never been off the farm suddenly into a home yeah challenging thing so if you're going to rescue a dog to not get a puppy but rescue a dog then it's absolutely this is where you need to go to your specialist rescues not just your we take all breeds kind of rescues which, which are brilliant and when it comes to very specific dogs yeah. you need very specific knowledge to be able to then put the right dog in the right place yeah definitely yeah so i mean this is really great there's a lot there for for listeners um about their colleagues and like I say I think the biggest thing is once you've done your research you've done your homework and you've got your colleague it's don't laugh at these little traits get help really early on yeah because obviously it it's very quick to create a habit and it's incredibly hard to break a change a habit mm-hmm. break a habit um so but there's obviously so many things that you can do with your colleague more than just put them in a machine. Oh yeah, definitely. So absolutely. So they are they literally are athletes in every kind of sport, whether it's nose, physicalities, brain tricks, things, whatever. So if somebody would like more help because they're a collie owner and you being more of a collie specialist, so where I can help to a certain extent with all my general training. And I can help with the separation anxiety mm-hmm. when it comes to the college specific behaviors. So how can they find out more about you? Um, so I have, of course, a website, which is called uh, that'll-do-academy.com. And I also run a podcast, um, which is the Border Collie Geek. Um, it, it's another platform um, where podcasts are available, or the, the most famous one, as well as on my website as well you can go on podcast page on my website and they'll find it i also have a free facebook group which is called um the boy colleague community which is linked of course to the podcast in a way that yeah um they have the same name and um a lot of the listeners on the podcast end up into the group but yeah it's uh it's a free group anyone can join um and we tend to do to assist to do first first aid assistant to people when they have an issue with their behavior with the collie behavior and you know we we give give first quite quick assistance and and give a bit of um help and then we run some free webinars and and free stuff sometimes in the group but it's just it's a group where i want i created that group because i wanted a place where um is not a generalist just collie owners place is a place where you know all the admin team are professionals so we all have different area of expertise. We have, I'm not a behaviorist, I'm a dog trainer. So we have the behaviorist as well. We have one specializing in kids. And then yeah. we have our trainer that is based in Australia because we have a lot of Australian people in the group. Um, and um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's a place where we give, you know, we, we keep things the way we like it, all positive and, you know, reinforcement based. And yeah. we give, we give advices on methods that for us are ethic um, yeah. instead. So it's not you're just a general group where, where anyone suggests things. We, we keep an eye on things that get suggested yeah. in order to keep 
So to keep yeah, the, keep the values, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, then, yeah, there's a lot of things out there that what the methods, and people yes. get confused very easily. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's going to knowledgeable people who actually know know that it it works, but it also maintains the ethics, the kindness, yeah, and the relationship with your dog as well. But that's a whole different conversation that could yeah, take yeah. Out, please. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're both aligned on what we feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and obviously, if they really want, they can work with you online, yeah, um, or sort of some specific help. Yeah, on. so I'm I'm based in Cheshire, so I'm doing face to face training in Cheshire. I'm moving to Lancashire at the end of the year, and um, I also work online. So I work with people all over around the world. So I have my twelve weeks online um, program, um, which is the one to one program, um, which we do, you know, one to one coaching. Um, online via zoom calls and then i have also my membership which is uh, the collie club and uh, that is again i do coach people online but it's more on a membership base so it all happens yeah. on a facebook group and we have still live calls every week and everything but it's more like a self-study with me then coaching you when you need coaching yeah. rather than me directing you like i do in my yeah. online in my one-to-one programs yeah so the membership was all like, okay, so how can I work with a dog that is a little bit of a chaser? But then the one-to-one is, oh my God, they just chase bikes. Really need to help concentrate on that. Think, yeah, I mean, I, I have vague examples, yeah. Yeah, no, the membership has the same exact material that I teach to my one-to-one students. The difference, so yeah. I have a lot of people with dogs that chase bikes, chase cars, have reactivity towards other dogs, you know, have all sorts in the membership. Mm. It, it's just a matter of, do you want to take your own pace? Yeah. Pick the exercises, working on them. Come on the group, tell me, am I doing right? Am I doing wrong? And take the time it takes. Or do you want me to guide you? I call it the yeah. boot camp to guide yeah. you week after week on exactly how to progress your dog. Yeah. So that in 12 weeks, we can do, you know, we can do a big, a big training, a big boot camp to, yeah. to progress your skills and the dog skills quickly. And yeah. then after that, I always give all success to the membership. Um, so they, you know, my, my packages have all, all success to the membership after for a period of time. So I can keep working with you. And a yeah. lot of my one-to-one training people then come and join the membership because then they stay and work with me long-term. Yeah. As I say, earning a dog is long-term. <laughs> you know, 12 weeks are not enough, but I, you know, we can't, as you well know, we can't offer pro- training program for a year. No. <laughs> we have to. We have to start somewhere. So I, I offer 12 weeks because I know that in those 12 weeks, I can help the owner changing their habits and they can help their dog changing some habits and start working towards their goals. Yeah. And 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 then after that is is a continuation. And that's why then after that, I normally either they come, they keep staying with me, maybe in a less intense way on yeah. one-to-one training yeah. or they join the membership and they do in their own way. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so when I'm when I'm in Lancashire, I'm going to have my own training place as well. So we will be running more workshops and things, not just for collies. So we will do scent work. We will do. Um, I w- I want to do more of um training dogs to be more reliable around livestock and things like yeah. that. Um, yeah. so when I have my own place, then I can do more of that. And um, brilliant. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you very much, Martina. Thank so, you for having me. Uh, this podcast um, will be out for listening and uh, head to That'll Do Academy if you need any help with your coffee. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
To find out more about Pippin Pets Dog Training and how we can help you, look at our website, pippinpetsdogtraining.co.uk or find us on Facebook at Pippin Pets.